Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. point right here on KDOS AM 1060 as always follow along with us online at KDOS 1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports it's Wednesday it's September 27th Bob Kemp Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays Wednesdays Thursdays and Fridays we'll take your calls today 602-260-1060 is the number around 10:30 and 11:15 we'll have some NFL discussion We'll get into uh, what caught my attention for the Arizona Cardinals coordinators meeting the media yesterday as they prepare for a tough task ahead, traveling to Santa Clara to take on the 49ers. In addition to that, we'll get into some college football and other NFL news here in today's show. Plus, the Diamondbacks continue their march towards securing a wild card spot, and they'll get uh, game number two against the White Sox started around in the 11 o'clock hour. But let's uh, not wait waste any more time and get into the poll questions for today and we'll get things started with the kdus1060.com poll question are the dolphins the best team in the nfl no continues to lead the way 78 percent of the vote yes trailing at 22 percent maybe the no factor i think some of those people remember they started three and zero last season and obviously the Tua injury situation factored into their pretty much mediocre um results the rest of the season uh but uh you know they did start three and zero last season but they didn't ever lead the nfl in my recollection and points scored and they lead the nfl also this year through three games in total offense uh so it's kind of like a they have like a 400 meter relay team out there uh, with the two wide receivers and waddle didn't even play last week because he was in the concussion protocol uh, the two receivers and the two running backs, they literally are four of the fastest players in the NFL, and they're all in the same offense. Uh, yeah, they have a lot of really, really fast guys. Also, your man, A-Chain, apparently we've been saying his name wrong this entire time, and it was also wrong in the uh, media guidebook of A-Chain. I think it's A-Chan. It is. I, he mentioned that at the press conference, I believe, Monday. Uh, so A-Chan, and I've known him as A-Chain for many years because he was also, uh, that was the alphabetical, you know, the uh, pronunciation guide or whatever at A&M. So uh, he just didn't bother to tell anybody until Monday, and he wasn't, like, throwing a tantrum or anything. I saw, you know, the NFL Network were kind of kind of had a fun time with it. With them. It's actually maybe yesterday that they actually played that from Monday. Uh, so, yeah, A-Chan is going to be really hard for me to get used to that because he's been a chain uh, in uh, at least our vocabulary uh, for me for three years because I was aware of him. A&M was terrible, but he was really good. And he was especially good last year. 
and really caught my attention when they were awful last year as a team and their offensive line was depleted by injuries and this dude was still making plays and that's why really he caught my attention last year because he was the elements around him were against him and he still made plays on a consistent basis. Uh, we'll dive into the Dolphins a little bit more when we answer the poll question around 1130. Still plenty of time for you to cast your vote. KDOS1060.com. Over on Twitter at KDOSAM1060, Bob had a conversation here with Brett Friedlander, SaturdayRoad.com, talking about the Duke Blue Devils. That's right, football Duke Blue Devils as they're hosting Notre Dame this Saturday. So who do you have Saturday night? Uh, Notre Dame minus 5.5 or Duke plus 5.5 and, and the masses unable to bust out of their tie here still in a 50 50 split the mike elko bowl uh second year duke head coach and he's done an amazing job you know not just winning you know, you know 13 games and you know up a year plus four games this year uh so far but he's did this the entire uh mentality of this program has gone from kind of a finesse offense not kind of a total finesse offense under cutcliffe to a power control the line of scrimmage type of thing under Elko, who was previously the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame before he got this gig at Duke. We will answer that question over on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060 around 1130 today. Let's dive into uh, the Arizona Cardinals and things that caught my attention from the coordinators yesterday. Uh, obviously, the Cardinals will get back to practice this week in preparation for their road trip to Santa Clara facing the 49ers. Uh, but Drew Petzing here, he had plenty to say. Actually, both of these coordinators, they talk a lot. Uh, both of them had over 20 minutes worth of audio from yesterday's press conference here drew petzing had a lot of good things to say and so a couple of things that stood out to me here uh you know the question here we've seen what the offense has been able to do you know the the conversation surrounded a lot in week one about the lack of explosive plays well we saw more explosive plays in week two and then uh in week three those explosive plays certainly helped uh in terms of touchdowns or setting up touchdowns and it certainly was what you're looking for here. So the question to Petzing, can the offense make another jump? He says here, I think if we're going to get to where we want to go, I think we need to improve every day. I think that's the mindset we have to take in the meeting room. That's the mindset we have to take on the field. Whether it's individuals improving, whether it's the scheme improving, I think that has to be at the forefront of everything we do in this organization follow-up there then is about the explosive plays and as a reminder the explosive plays did include that 69 yard catch by michael wilson where he was wide open the 45 yard run by rondell moore 44 yard run by josh dobbs that was just an incredible play there. design 26 yard run by james connor and a 23 yard catch by hollywood explosive plays thoughts from petzing he says i think a lot of it speaks to the players i mean those guys work extremely hard in the run and in in the past game and I mean there is so many people who go into every one of these plays takes everybody on the field during the week understanding the scheme getting great looks from our scout team and then going out and executing so I think it's hats off to these players because they really uh, made them work I don't think he's given himself enough credit I don't know if he's been around here long enough I don't know if he's a you know to his own horn guy I don't think he is I think this proves that he's not uh, because to me, those a lot of those plays you just mentioned specifically 
were uh, were they basically worked because of they were excellent play calls. Uh, you know, they also really intelligently decided, I guess, you know, some at some point, well, we're probably not going to block Michael Parsons, so let's just make him uh, come up with a you know, kind of makes it have, he has to make some decisions. And they didn't even bother to block him. That was the scheme. It was not to block him and force him to choose one or the other. And he ran himself out of a lot of plays because he just kind of beelined it to the quarterback and possibly selfishly was just trying to get, you know, tackles for loss and sacks as opposed to helping the team. But they used that to their advantage, and the Cowboys were burned by that continually. And uh, I just thought the play calling on Saturday, excuse me, Sunday, which I mentioned on our Monday show, I thought was really good. And that had a whole lot to do with their offense being as good as it was. Continuing on with the offense and the utilization here of Rondell Moore, touched on that explosive play that was a 45-yard run by Moore. I think in general in the game, he did have three different running attempts as well. So what went into using Rondell Moore in the run game? He said here, I think he's a great player. He brings a lot to the offense, to the team. I think he presents a lot of challenges for the defense. I think you've seen that in really every game we've played in different ways. We've moved him around the formation and used him in different roles on that given play the 45 yarder there he uh, he took advantage of a really well blocked play and then he did the rest himself I mean when he put his foot in the ground and kind of took off you could feel his speed and his power as he got through the hole yeah also I think they're really they've been very wise not overusing more and I can understand you know certainly Cliff Kingsbury tried to get him the ball frequently and that resulted in him being injured, more being injured in both of his seasons here. He also was injured in his last two seasons at Purdue after he was kind of unscathed his freshman season at Purdue when he was spectacular. Uh, but they got to make sure he's – I think you can say after four years of being injured at some point in either college or pro – that he's an injury-prone player and you just can't put him in situations where he's overused and more apt to get injured again. Uh, I, you know, kind of, you know, we're going to talk about this some tomorrow when we preview the Lions game against the Packers tomorrow night. But Detroit's got to be really care, careful what they're doing with Gibbs. Uh, and uh, there's some similarities between Moore and Gibbs. Uh, you know, not officially a running back, but Gibbs is more of a receiver and out in the uh, uh, open space type of thing as far as between the tackles. Uh, Detroit, I think, was, you know, without, you know, they, had, they were short on running backs last week. So Gibbs got like 17 carries and some of those were between the tackles. And he got destroyed on a couple of those plays. And there's no way he's going to survive the season if that doesn't change in Detroit. I think the Cardinals are being very wise, not over-utilizing more here because of his history. You know, it's such an interesting, tricky balance because you have such a dynamic player like Rondell Moore, and at least in the last couple of games, we've sort of seen that be deployed uh, in terms of what his skill set is and what his capabilities are. So you want to get him integrated in the offense, but to your point, you don't want to overuse him. I think maybe you could even have the similar conversation with uh, a Christian McCaffrey and just all the different dynamic ways yeah. he can get involved. His injury history, you want to make sure he's around for the uh, important games at the end of the season and the playoff run. 
Yeah, I think that's a little more tricky for McCaffrey because he's so good between the tackles. These other two guys, you don't want running between the tackles. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, I think there's, that's a big difference there. So I think it is an interesting dynamic. I'm guessing when we, uh, you know, we're going to talk 49ers in the 915 segment on Friday with our friend Matt Mayoko from NBC Sports Bay Area. And uh, guessing that one of our topics of discussion is going to be the, not just uh, the use of McCaffrey, but they've got all these weapons and, you know, they got the McCaffrey injury history that you just mentioned. And, you know, coming out of that game on Sunday, or you know, I guess it was last Thursday night, right? Uh, the uh, 49ers game, Ayuk didn't even play. And uh, by the end of the game, Debo was, you know, really sore and he hasn't practiced. He, 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 uh, he actually is not expected to practice the next couple of days here. So uh, there's no designation yet, but you know, both those guys were either out or nicked up by the end of the game last week. More from Drew Petting here and uh, just kind of trying to understand the mindset that goes into how much he changes the scheme from week to week for the offense here. His response, it's a question that changes week to week depending on how similar the matchup might be, the front structure, the personnel from a defensive perspective. Is it, uh, hey, we left a lot of stuff on the call sheet we liked, or is it, hey, we left a lot of stuff on the call sheet that we liked but different defense different scheme so I think it's always finding that balance of he really likes his haze here hey there are good plays we've had good reps on and fit who we are playing and hey we need to go out and attack a different look different coverages a different scheme there's a balance but carry over from week to week and there has to be some extent to it because you can't expect them to learn an entirely new playbook in six days that's true um yeah, and they've faced some interesting uh, opponents so far. You know, obviously, you know, Washington that first game with the you know, Washington, we think, has a really good defensive front, except when they played the Bills this past Sunday, they had zero quarterback pressures, zero quarterback pressures. But obviously, we think they have a pretty good front four and front seven, for that matter. Uh, so they had to handle that group. And, you know, they also have a, uh, I think, until last Sunday, a pretty good secondary. So I don't know about my theory about Washington, whether that works or not. Uh, the Giants have some good individual defensive players, but collectively a lot of weaknesses. And then the Cowboys were just kind of uh, either mentally not there. Obviously, you know, the Diggs injury, they had to make some changes during the week. And there were clearly a couple of plays that the Cardinals were able to use for uh, huge gains. Uh, when there was complete confusion on the Dallas defense, especially in the secondary on a couple pass coverages. So the offensive line has been doing well, uh, pass protection as well as opening up some holes here, especially for James Conner in the run game. Uh, Petsing was asked about that in conjunction with the challenges that face this offensive line ahead with the 49ers. He says the offensive line has really done a great job. I think they've embraced the role, the offense, how we want to play the game, and certainly their success is our success. Generally speaking, offenses go as the offensive line goes. I've always thought that, whether it's pass game or run game to see our success a lot of it is directly through them san francisco it's going to be a great challenge it's a great front really a great 11 but certainly a great front four a great front seven so our guys are going to have to prepare hard be ready to go and make sure they know what's coming because it's going to be a fight yeah, well, they should know what's coming because the Niners are so good up front that they almost never blitz, and they don't have to. 
Uh, so it's, you know, they don't. This isn't like facing, you know, Wink Martindale, who's going to blitz like half the time or more than half the time. Last week against San Francisco, the Giants did that for. It was, I believe, I read it was the highest blitz rate of any defense in any NFL game for three years. Uh, so it's going. But with the Niners, you know what you're getting. But their front four is so good that you got to you know, figure out how can you possibly block these guys. I would also, you know, kind of push back a little bit. I know Petsing's talking up his offensive line, which is what he's supposed to do, but I don't think it's been great. The first game of the season was really awful at Washington. The second game of the season, it was good in the first half and awful in the second half and had four false start penalties in the fourth quarter alone against the Giants. And then last week, it was really good from start to finish. But, uh, you know, to say it was great, I'd have to have more consistency over a three-game span to say it was great. Uh, The final thing that caught my attention from Petsing here, he was asked, has anything surprised him about Josh Dobbs' performance, or is this what he and they expected once Josh Dobbs was able to get comfortable? He said, I think you're seeing who Josh is, and he's the same guy every week, so I wouldn't say I was surprised. Certainly it's nice to see it on a stage like that, but that's kind of what I expect from him. He's unfazed, prepared, ready to go at all times. The situation is never too big for him, so was excited to see him go out there and have success. Success. I think that's all accurate. Uh, I mean, he's really speaking accurate. He was really accurate last week. And I probably didn't give enough attention on Monday uh, when we talked about the victor over the Cowboys that that last pass that he threw. Uh, well, maybe I don't know if that was, I think that was the last pass that he threw, but the touchdown pass uh, to Hollywood Brown, uh, which was, you know, really covered well by Gilmore. Uh, was a tremendous throw and uh, not sure it was the greatest you know, quarterback mechanics of all time by Dobbs, who was kind of uh, fading away from the receiver and the end zone, etc. cetera. Uh, but that was a really good throw, and his accuracy was very good. Now, he had some open receivers to throw to on Sunday, but uh, you know he's clearly better than anybody that's been here for a little while, uh, and certainly this year. Um, in fact... Uh, I had somebody ask me that, you know, yesterday whether I thought he was better than Kyler Murray. Uh, and uh, yes, that person is aware of my not particularly being fond of Kyler Murray at any point of his professional career so far, uh, other than just being able to run. Uh, but, uh, you know, Dobbs is a, it's been a long time since a Cardinal quarterback was as accurate as he was in one game than he was last Sunday. Flipping this to takeaways from Nick Rollis, the defensive coordinator, just a few here. He was asked about the defense in the red zone and about, uh, you know, whether or not he was happy with their red zone production or disappointed that they found themselves in the red zone defending it so often. And he said here, ultimately, that is the key to keep them out of the end zone. You want your offense on the field. You don't want long drives. You don't want explosives. But I was uh, pleased with how we played in the red zone. That was critical to the game. I don't think you ever go into a game and say, hey, let's uh, bend but not break. But that's how the game played out, and I was happy with the red zone. Okay. Well, they did a nice job there, but I think that this is more the Dallas offense than it is actually the Cardinals defense. The Dallas offense in 15 red zone trips through three games. Now, some of these were a little phony because they won the first game 100 nothing against the Giants on that Sunday night. And then the second game, they actually ran the clock out of the red zone in each half 
Uh, I don't know what they were doing at the end of the first half, but they apparently did that against the Jets, and they did it at the end of the game. So they've had 15 red zone possessions, and they've scored six touchdowns. They obviously miss, uh, miss Zeke Elliott running the ball in the red zone. Best way to score in the red zone is if you have a running game. They don't have one right now. They do not have a power running back. Pollard's certainly not that. Dowdo is, uh, did okay the other day, but they don't have a power running back. And they also miss Dalton Schultz tremendously in the red zone because that was Dak Prescott's favorite target for two or three years. And finally, here wrapping up takeaways from defensive coordinator Nick Rollis. He was asked about the 49ers' offensive weapons, overwhelming, uh, and whether or not it is overwhelming to scheme against. And he said here, I think they've done a good job of building their personnel to what they want to do offensively. So good players across the board, coupled with a really good scheme. It definitely presents a challenge, and it's on us throughout the week now to put the right game plan together to get the players prepared. we got to get the players executed the scheme and technique at a high level because not only is their scheme good but they're good at blocking good with the ball in their hands they play hard they are multiple layers here to play these guys and you have to bring your a game in all those spots don't disagree with that even though much uh, we'll find out later in the week we may not actually find out until sunday how many of these playmakers will be available for san francisco because we've mentioned a few moments ago that, you know, obviously Ayuk and uh, Debo Samuel uh, were either out to begin with or unavailable. Now the 49ers have some extra time because they played last Thursday night and they have the long week, uh, the extra time before they play on Sunday afternoon in Santa Clara. We have plenty of time to address this the rest of the week, though, but I'm curious about the 49ers because we're talking a lot about, obviously, they're really good players. Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, uh, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle. But I'm wondering if there's a little bit of depth issue at this point in time that maybe wasn't ever there in over the course of the last previous three years or so and that maybe it's uh, kind of sprung, sprung that way this year. So we'll kind of get into that a little bit more as the week unfolds when we continue to talk about the 49ers but we'll get into much more around the nfl with some power rankings and quarterback confidence ratings on the other side of the break carving out time in your afternoon for the doug gottlieb show right here on kdus am 1060 100.7 hd2 and kdus1060.com weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m Wednesday, it's September 27th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. It is Wednesday, and so some NFL power rankings are out. There is a major reshuffle, at least with the athletics power rankings and their quarterback confidence ratings to go with the teams. It seemed fitting, based upon today's poll question here about the Dolphins being the best team in the NFL and whether or not you believe that to be true or not, because the athletics power rankings here will start with number one, and they do, in fact, have the Dolphins at three, uh, at number one because they're three and0 their quarterback confidence rating is a 10 the scale is one to ten uh here's some numbers that I looked up here about Tua Tungavaloa in the season that he's having thus far according to next gen stats he's averaging 7.5 
completed air yards. His completion percentage is 71.3%. His time to throw is 2.34 seconds. Uh, the offensive dominance is obviously there. They have plenty of playmakers, plenty of speed all over the field. My question here is, has the defense been tested yet? Well, no, and it's been bad when they face good offenses. Um, so, you know, that's only one game. <laughs> but, you know, you know, the Chargers scored 1,000 points against them, but they scored 1,001, so they won the game. Uh, so there's that. But, yeah, the, the, I think it's absolutely absurd that they're number one in these power rankings. I. Uh Speaking of the Dolphins here, I'm seeing this report from uh, Cameron Wolf with NFL Network that Jalen Waddell will practice fully today per head coach Mike McDaniel. And if all goes well, Waddell will clear concussion protocol and be available for the game in Buffalo against the Bills. So obviously more weapons is good for the Dolphins. Yeah, and uh, I think the biggest difference for the Dolphins this year is something that has hardly been talked about. Is their running game is you know, their number one in the league in rushing? Obviously, last week had a lot to do with that. But just by comparison, they were 25th in the NFL in rushing last season. On to the second team in these athletic power rankings here. 49ers, 3-0. Their quarterback confidence rating for Brock Purdy comes in at number nine. Some stats I looked up for Brock here, according to next-gen stats, 6.2 average completed air yards, 67% completion percentage. His time to throw is 2.53. It's interesting here that it's still really good completion percentage, and so maybe I'm being a little bit nitpicky here, but uh, the Sunday game of in week two I noticed that Brock was overthrowing a few of his receivers at times just certain things that you wouldn't uh, have seen at all in his six starts in uh, his previous season his rookie year and then obviously we saw some passes on Thursday that could have definitely been picked off that's, that's true uh, also I think the air, air the air yard stat is kind of you know, irrelevant here because they're you know, this is a group that uh, for years has been unbelievable after the catch. And the scheme allows those guys to excel in yards after the catch. Remember the day Ayuk got traded, uh, the day after he got, excuse me, after he got drafted, that I said, this is one of the greatest fits of all time. And remember, they traded up to get him because I'm sure that Shanahan thought this guy is perfect for my system. And he has been, not surprisingly, perfect for their system. So we'll see what happens with that. Also, uh, a week ago tomorrow, we talked about Purdy, how he's been so good against the Blitz. And, you know, the Giants tried to Blitz in an incredible amount of time last week. And his completion percentage against the Giants Blitzes last week was insanely high. I continue to say Christian McCaffrey has been phenomenal. Numbers uh, that back this up here. He's seeing eight plus in the box, 28.33% of the time. He's averaging 5.9 yards per rush. That equates to, according to Next Gen Stats, 1.8 rush yards over expected. And he also has three touchdowns. So that's obviously the offensive prowess yeah. there for Christian McCaffrey. And going back to what we talked about earlier about his injury situation, they very wisely uh, limited his workload that last Thursday night game uh, because it was a short week, uh, and uh, so they had a, you know they were going to win the game. They were never going to lose that game against the Giants last Thursday night, even though it was tight at the scoreboard for a little while. They were never going to lose it. So that was a very wise use of him, and he basically has the extra time now. 
and he wasn't he wasn't even close to being fully used last Thursday night. Javon Hargrave has certainly jumped off the page to both of us as uh, he has now with a new team being with the 49ers this year. Uh, according to ESPN stats, his pass rush win rate is 26%. He's double teamed 56% of the time. He is second in the pass rush win rate for defensive tackles <laughs> behind. Oh, I hate that. Pass rush win yeah. rate. He's second behind Daquan need Jones. To come up with, they need to have initials for that thing, you know? Yeah, P R W. The problem is that I don't yeah. or P R W R. Maybe not. Yeah. Never mind. Never mind my idea on that. So, okay, uh, well. He's second on this list according to ESPN stats. Here, um, question for you because obviously this is the same defense. Personnel is mostly the same. Talking there about the addition of Javon Hargrave, but how good he's been. Have you noticed any changes because it is a new defensive coordinator with Steve Wilkes? Not really sure. I got to admit, you know, I really haven't watched the Niners in a whole lot of games from start to finish because there really hasn't been any reason to watch them in a whole lot of games from start to finish. The one game I would have been most interested in, we were actually at the Cardinals-Giants game while the Rams were playing them, and I didn't see a replay of that game later in the week on NFL Network. So I'm, I'm not completely in on that. I also think that it definitely helps him. Uh, even while he's being double teamed, and I think it, uh, you know, I was actually surprised how often he's been double teamed. Uh, he has two of the best linebackers in football right behind him, and that helps matters. And that's you know, the reason that they don't have to blitz much is because the front four gets to the quarterback, and their linebackers can actually not only play the run, but they're good in coverage. Number three on this power rankings list is coming up on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM. Te tease us along here. Of course. Uh, uh, have to try to. I mean, I think we yeah. can probably assume which which team is coming up next as we haven't. Yeah. yeah? We'll see. Played the, played the Super Bowl here last year? Yeah. I mean. Okay. You have a 50-50 chance there, but I think I know um, which way you're leaning as to. Starts with, starts with a P? Uh, no, actually. No? It's not Philadelphia? It's not. We'll get into that okay. next here in the Extra Point. Listener rewards for you with the KDOS 1060 app. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KDOS 1060 app. Ten thirty nine here on KDOS AM ten sixty. As always, follow along with us here in the extra point online at KDOS ten sixty dot com and with the KDOS ten sixty app powered by Superbook Sports. Continuing our NFL power rankings and quarterback confidence ratings. Uh, number one, the Dolphins. Number two, the Forty ers This coming from the Athletic. Number three, and uh, I think we know here where uh, Bob thought it was going to be one team. It's it's another team, so there's going to be some question marks behind it. It's the Kansas City Chiefs coming in at number three. They're two and one. Their quarterback confidence rating is a 10. Uh, I, I think that that should probably be a 10, 10 plus. Uh, Mahomes I'm okay. I'm, okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Mahomes is obviously still Mahomes, uh, especially with the amount that the Chiefs are asking him to do. Numbers are down just a touch here. 5.1 completed air yards, 65.5% completion percentage. 
Uh, he has 2.92 seconds to throw, seven touchdowns and two interceptions. We kind of know why those numbers are a little bit down. He was without Travis Kelsey for the first game of the season. Some of the wide receivers coming in and out of the lineup. Some drop passes that we witnessed in week one as well. Defensively, Chris Jones is back. Now, I have a question here because... Metrically, this Chiefs defense is playing really well and maybe the best mm-hmm. that they've metrically played uh, in Patrick Mahomes' career with the Chiefs. Should we be cautionary about this here because they've played against, you know, uh, a Jaguars offense, they've played against a Bears offense, and obviously the Lions offense in week one. So should we be cautiously optimistic about where this Chiefs defense is? Maybe, but I don't think it's crazy to think that this is the best defense in the Mahomes era. Uh, A, you know, quite frankly, they haven't had a really complete dominant defense in that era. But, you know, they've got all these second and third year players that are just, you know, were really, you know, highly impressive when they were in college and, you know, drafted in some cases before they were probably thought to be drafted. But I think they've done a really good job of developing uh, players. You know, Spagnola and the defensive staff, I don't think gets enough credit because it's always about Andy Reid, and I don't disagree with the attention that Reid gets. But it seems like they are developing these players that were athletically talented to begin with. I also think, though, that them at this point, I understand this is, you know, power rankings and the quarterback ranking combined thing, but I think it's absolutely ridiculous that they're number four they played one good half of football this season, uh, and that was against the dysfunctional Bears team in the first half last week. Uh, I think the biggest reason that Mahomes' numbers are down some is the offensive line has sucked so far. And uh, not just the right tackle, Jawan Taylor, who was actually benched last week against the Bears, who have nobody up front to block, and he got benched because he was so bad and they had a couple more false start penalties. Do you think Mahomes ever takes a second and says, whew, I'm really glad the Bears never drafted me and I got to go to Kansas <laughs> City to play with uh, Andy Reid? Oh, I'm sure that worked out. Yeah, I'm sure he thought that this is, you know, he's probably, you know, the State Farm commercials. There you go. So <laughs> they're buddies there now, including a food thing now, right? Yeah, so those are pretty one. funny. Well, the new thing with the Bears is that, you know, they're the ones that are you know, tanking. And, uh, you know, that they're already decided whether they have the first or second uh, second pick of the draft, that that would be Caleb Williams or Mays from North Carolina. And Justin Fields is out of town at the end of this year, no matter what. Number four on this power link rankings list is the Eagles. They're 3-0. and The quarterback confidence rating comes in at 8. Jalen Hurts, though, he now has 29 total career rushing touchdowns in his first 50 games. This is interesting here. Through three games, Hurts is minus .10 in EPA per dropback, which is 22nd in the league. He has had some interceptions here with three, three touchdowns to go along with it here. I'm curious to know, it, it seems like the offense at times is it's sluggish to get going here. It wasn't clicking like it was last year. How much of that is just a, a new season and how much of that is adjusting to a new play caller? Well, I think that's a, the play caller things are really important. I think that's important, but it now turns out that Hertz has been sick for two weeks, basically. Uh, and uh, yeah, he played that game the other night and battled through it, and, but he was actually sick some the week before. So maybe that's part of it too. Uh, still, when they need to run the ball to end the game, they run the ball. 
Uh, they had the ball for 41 minutes against Tampa on Monday night. Uh, so to me, they still have a dominant offensive and defensive line or defensive front if you want to put the, you know, all the outside linebackers that they use and you know, the inside linebackers might actually be better than they have been. Uh, so you know, to me, it's ridiculous uh, that Philadelphia is not ahead of Kansas City. And I think the Kansas City thing is more based on past achievement than what we've actually seen through three weeks this season. Jalen Carter, uh, I wanted to highlight him here. He's shown up in the ESPN pass rush win rate at fifth at 24%. Fletcher Cox is 13th at 16%, but that just goes to show the depth that they have there at the defensive front, and they're coming at it from the defensive tackle positions Jalen Carter being a rookie kind of been all over the field, but he's not being asked to be out there every play. There's a fantastic rotation that those Eagles players have. Yeah. NFL network did a thing uh, specifically on Carter yesterday and uh, a couple of the plays, not just physically, but mentally. And the fact that he is picked up on offensive tendencies of the opponent, like three games into his career, they were stunned at how smart he's been so far too. We'll uh, wrap up this segment with the number five uh, on the list here with the Buffalo Bills, two and one quarterback confidence rating of eight. Does it look like Josh Allen's week one was an anomaly since then he's thrown four touchdowns and one interception also here have they found something in the run game with james cook he doesn't see a lot of eight plus in the box as it's only 9.09 percent of the time but his rush yards over expected is really good at 2.01 also that offensive line which i have had serious questions about for a couple of years was unbelievable last week against washington the washington defensive front which we think is pretty good uh, Buffalo allowed zero sacks uh, in, uh, in that game. They had a whole bunch of plays where he got rid of the ball quickly, too, which helped. But uh, that kind of, uh, you know, having Allen get rid of the ball quickly is, you know, for a couple of things. One, you can avoid the rush, which they did last week. I'm sure that's why he got rid of the ball quicker than even usual. Uh, but, you know, the fact that he, you know, if he doesn't hold on to the ball too long, he's less likely to do something stupid. <laughs> so, lack of a better term for me. In addition, in that game last week, their defensive front against the suspect or bad Washington offensive line had 15 quarterback hits, and they had pressure on 70% of Sam Howell's drop, drop back. 70, 7-0, which is an insanely high number. Yeah, that is an insanely high number. So if you're sitting here listening to the recap here of one Dolphins, two 49ers, three Chiefs, four Eagles, five Bills, you're wondering where'd the Cowboys go after their loss to the Arizona Cardinals. We'll see where they end up on the list. Where are the Cleveland Browns? You know what? That's actually an interesting point because they are not in the top 10. That's wrong. Sorry, I'm not a big fan of this thing. Well, that's, you know, the quarterback rating has to, you know, the Watson you know, thing, it can't be very high, right? Probably not, no. We'll continue it next here in the Extra Point. If you downloaded the KTUS 1060 app yet, download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone. Wrapping up hour number one right here on KTUS. 
KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app, powered by Superbook Sports. Putting a bow on the athletic NFL power rankings plus QB confidence ratings, uh, 1 through 10 here. Number 1, the Dolphins. 2, the 49ers. The 3, the Chiefs. The 4, the Eagles. And 5, the Bills. So in comes at number six is the Dallas Cowboys, who are two and one. The quarterback confidence rating is seven. Uh, They dropped from first in these rankings last week all the way down here to six. Dak's interception in the end zone, obviously uh, not good. And and I think put people on uh, edge a little bit about some of the issues that had cropped up from last season. We can always have the conversation about whether it was Dak, the wide receivers routes, et cetera here. Dak, though, per this year, he's 12th in EPA per drop back at 0.12 and 3.7 in average completed air yards per next gen stats. Tony Pollard, he's taking the load here for the Cowboys. He's seeing 8-plus in the box 17.74% of the time, and he's averaging .25 rush yards over expected with two touchdowns. Well, I think that's a number that doesn't back up what I see. I mean, he cannot run the ball between the tackles and survive the season. He's never been, and I mean never, at Memphis or in the Cowboys, been a power back. And I think that the, the fact they don't have a power back inside the 20 is why they've been so bad in the red zone. Also, I think it's almost impossible to evaluate the Cowboys statistically on offense or defense based on three games because of the way that the games have gone so far. And specifically last week against the Cardinals without their starting left tackle, Tyron Smith, center Tyler Biotish, and then right guard Zach Martin, who I think most people believe is the best offensive lineman in the NFL, went healthy. Number seven on this list is the Lions, who are two and one with a quarterback confidence rating of seven. Jared Goff, 7.2 completed air yards per next gen stats. It's a 69.9% completion percentage for him, five touchdowns and two interceptions. Obviously, this Lions team has suffered some injuries both on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball uh, before the season started and so far during the season here. I don't know, though. This team seems to be full of some inconsistencies for me. I think this is ridiculous that they're number seven. Uh, yeah, I don't even know what eight, nine, and ten are. But, uh, you know, I don't, I'm guessing that there's no way I would have them ahead of the three teams that are coming next. I think they're a nice team. This is almost sounding like they hope the Lions are seven because so many people thought before the season that they were going to be great. And they may be. And they're playing for like uh, part one of the uh, division championship tomorrow night at Green Bay. Number eight on this list here is the Ravens, who are two and one. Quarterback confidence rating of eight. Maybe uh, maybe I don't don't agree with that eight nine ten thing. Baltimore, <laughs> okay. Um, how does this keep happening though to the Ravens with all of the running back injuries, all of the offensive line injuries? There were wide receiver injuries in last week uh, that weren't suited up in OBJ. They just continue to have injuries at such key pivotal positions here. When it comes to Lamar and the new look offense here 5.4 completed air yards for him 2.54 seconds to throw a 73.3 percent completion percentage I'm just curious is this incomplete for us to notice if there's been a big change on offense to think it's revamped I agree even though Tom Mudkin is under serious criticism for play calling I'm not surprised about that uh, as I've mentioned throughout the offseason 
Uh, he was a great play caller at Georgia. Uh, he has not been a good play caller when he's got the opportunity in Tampa and Cleveland in his NFL career. And uh, I've just wondered all offseason whether he's up for being a NFL play caller. And uh, short sample size, he's had a lot of injuries, as you mentioned. Uh, Lamar, not an accurate passer. I don't care who the player caller is. Uh, so we'll see. But, yeah, based on what we've seen through three weeks, there is no way that the Ravens should be in the top ten of anything. Number nine. I can't wait to hear what you have to say here. The Seahawks, they are 2-1. and one, quarter, uh. Quarterback confidence rating of six. Geno Smith, 5.8 completed air yards for him, 68.9% completion percentage. He's had three seconds time to throw. Um, is it a situation where they just were not ready to go week one, now they're back on track? Or uh, is this just kind of also the, the way in which this Seahawks team plays? I think this completely because they've been injured. They've been missing their two starting offensive tackles. They've been missing their two best defensive linemen. They're missing their best linebacker. And they played a couple of games without two or three of their starting defensive backs. Uh, so good luck. This is uh, These ratings are now sounding to me more like where they think they're going to be by the end of the season and what the expectations are as opposed to actual on-field performance so far in September. Uh, Kenneth Walker here, he's seen eight plus in the box, 19.15% of the time. He has uh, rushed yards over expected, 0.43 for him with four touchdowns. Rounding things out here in the top 10, it's the Packers who are two and one with a quarterback confidence rating of seven. I'm not sure how the quarterback confidence rating is at seven when Jordan Love is completing 53.1% of his passes. He ranks 33rd in off target target percentage at 17.7 percent by true media he does have 6.8 8 completed air yards i know there's been no aaron jones i know there's been no christian watson will that help with some accuracy well also it would help if they get their two best offensive linemen bakhtiari and jenkins who have both been out that would help but you know he's not been good quite frankly in the majority of time so far this season i know seven touchdowns one pick but he was not good at all when they lost at Atlanta, and he was awful the first three quarters of that game and uh, against New Orleans before he helped them rally and win the game in the fourth quarter. I think we both agree that we would not have done our power rankings uh, this particular way, but it was interesting just to break down these particular teams and some of the numbers and what we think about them as we are three weeks into the season. Week four is here uh, tomorrow before we know it. That'll do it for hour number one. Hour number two is coming up on the other side of the break. We'll start here with the Diamondbacks as they continue their push to solidify their wild card spot.